Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a one trillion dollar tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk/greattalent to see how you can work, live, and move to the UK. Spring is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's a l l b i r d s.com. Code SUPER24. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Thursday morning to you on the 21st of uh, December, the shortest day of the year and the longest night of the year and the winter solstice in, uh, and all of that. And of course, a uh, huge numbers seemingly this morning turned up at, at Newgrange. Uh, this is the, the day that for, on the shortest day of the year, just for 17 minutes, direct sunlight enters the Newgrange monument. It doesn't go through the doorway. It's through a specially contrived small opening above the entrance known as the roof box. It's, a, it's an amazing, amazing uh, structure and it illuminates the chamber for 17 minutes if the weather conditions are right uh, just on this one day of the year and there's a, a group of people who are lucky enough to win. It's done to, I think it's done to the National Lottery isn't it? But I know it's certainly done through a lottery uh, system that uh, a small group of people because obviously the chamber isn't very big but a small group are able to enter and be there uh, when it happens but that doesn't stop many hundreds of people who turn up outside uh, Newgrange just to be there on this day and then today as I mentioned there in the weather forecast is the day we woke up to really Really, really high uh, winds and uh, strong winds. Are, if you're today is the day that you're going out to do some Christmas shopping. It could be blown off course. You do need to be careful because there are two status yellow uh, warnings uh, for today and the entire, no matter where you are in the country, it is covered by one of these status yellow uh, warnings. The blustery gales are expected to sweep right across the country. The status yellow wind a warning already in place now for all of Leinster, Cavan, Monaghan, us here in Cork, Limerick, Tip and uh, Waterford. And it's in place now and it remains in place for all of today. It will remain in place until 8 o'clock uh, tonight. Uh, Met Aaron are warning of very strong northwesterly winds at times with the potential for loose objects and debris. Driving and cycling conditions, they say, are going to be extremely difficult. Now, Met Aaron have also uh, forecast high waves as well as very strong northerly winds at sea and that is set and they're asking uh, people at sea uh, to take extra uh, care and I'm thinking of, I have uh, family members, five in total, well four adults and a little baby who are travelling across the Irish Sea today 
day they're coming by ferry this afternoon they will be blown across so fingers crossed that the ferry will go firstly because often uh, if the winds are very bad ferries can get cancelled but then when they do go out into high seas like that it can be a very very difficult crossing indeed so uh, my thoughts and prayers are with my own family today that they all make it home uh, safe now Bernie's taking your calls at 0818 103 103 anything you want to share with us we'd love to hear from you you can text or WhatsApp the programme to 0862 103 103 yesterday I started the programme by talking about the worrying trend that we're seeing with our young doctors and nurses and other health professionals going overseas and how they're being targeted particularly to go to Australia there was big billboard uh, campaigns earlier this year close to a lot of our Irish hospitals selling all the reasons why our young health professionals should move to Australia and we've seen an increase a a big big increase in the numbers I think since 2018 there's been 140% increase in the number of doctors and nurses and it goes right across the board all the other health professionals all you know the multi-D like your occupational therapist your speech and language therapist your physiotherapist goes right across the board all of those jobs are in need all over the world and of course our Irish staff get targeted because we're known for how well we train our health professionals but also the Irish are known to be so caring and such great workers so there's a big advantage for other countries to take our young professionals and ask them to come uh, come live abroad and I know we've always had uh, you know from uh, from the very beginning of this state we've always had people who have gone abroad uh, for to work and certainly in the last number of decades you know young people have gone abroad to work they've got their experience uh, and they see it as part of you know living their life to live away for a couple of years but then always with the intention of uh, coming home but it's just with our health service struggling at the moment we need more of them to come home and to come home uh, quicker but unfortunately that's not happening at the moment and we're in the lead up to Christmas always a busy time in hospitals so there's reports out today saying hospitals are on the drive to empty wards of as many patients as possible and the reason that they're doing it this week it's a bid to a another dangerous spike in trolley gridlock after the Christmas period. Most hospitals are not going to be carrying out any surgery on waiting lists for patients at this week or for at least three weeks, except obviously if there's urgent cases. Hundreds of beds that would be normally used for treating people on waiting lists, they're now all going to be kept free for patients coming through the emergency departments and the whole idea of that is to try to control the overcrowding and the reason that so much emphasis has been put on it this, this year, there is fears for patient safety. If hospitals suffer anything like the scenes that were witnessed last last, uh, winter, I mean, after Christmas last year, in one of the early days in uh, January, we had 931 people without beds. I think it broke all, smashed all records for the numbers of people on trolleys waiting for a bed. And they're just fearful that the same thing could happen again this year. So there's a bit of preparation going into it. They're freeing up the beds and having the beds available in case that there is a big influx of people after Christmas. The Health Minister, Stephen Donnelly, has told the HSE to ensure that all staff rosters were filled over Christmas and into the new year and that obviously will help to avoid another crisis and he's told them that to make all efforts to uh, to uh, make sure to secure step-down care for those who could be uh, discharged because the HSE 
were warning yesterday that there has been a significant increase already in emergency department attendance and admissions and they're particularly worried about an increase in the number of people over the age of 75. I saw the Chief Clinical Officer Colm Henry uh, say that across all of the acute hospitals all over the country, they are managing outbreaks of respiratory illnesses and that's impacting on the availability of beds as wards are closed to admission of new patients. Now, private hospitals, by the way, are also being used uh, to take patients. But the HSE figures, they show as of two o'clock yesterday, there was 214 patients on trolleys in emergency departments. Another 42 were on wards and then there was another 50 53 waiting for a bed. Oh no, of those, 53 have been waiting for a bed for more than 24 hours, but they're trying to bring those uh, figures down. So while there's 214 on trolleys in the ED departments and 42 more on trolleys in uh, wards. So about the 250, 260 mark. While that is happening in our acute hospitals, there are 459 patients who are fit for discharge, who are occupying a hospital bed, but they can't be discharged because they don't have proper step-down care. Some of them are waiting for a home health package to be put together and others are waiting for a nursing home place. And we only spoke this week about the closure of nursing homes. So it really is like a vicious triangle. Uh, You've got the patients who are ready for discharge, nowhere for them to go. You've got the patients who are lying on the trolleys in the ED department who need to get into those beds where the delayed discharges are. It's just, and and that's an ongoing, that's not something that's just happened this year. We've been talking about delayed discharges for many, many years. And by the way, the highest number of delayed discharges is here with us in Cork. It's in the University Hospital in Cork. There are 40 people in beds who clinically they're they're ready to go home, but they need a bit of support. They need a little bit of help, but the help isn't available at the nursing home bed isn't available. So 40 patients remain in CUH. Now people by the HSE are being urged please to protect yourself this winter particularly COVID is still out and about the flu of course which comes up every time at this year and that RSV, that respiratory virus that we spoke with Dr John Sheehan about last week that's highly contagious and very, very dangerous for older people but very dangerous for small babies as well. That's out and about at the moment so people are being urged to protect themselves from those different uh, viruses but you also need to make sure that if you do become unwell that you don't pass it on to anybody else particularly passing it on to somebody in a very at-risk or vulnerable group and if you are feeling very unwell and you can't look after yourself you know over-the-counter remedies are not uh, working the HSE are suggesting to use places like the minor injury a unit are to avail of the GP out of hours service and I imagine our GP out of hours service is Southstock I imagine Southstock will be very very busy this Christmas 0818 103 103 Bernie is taking your calls anything you want to share with us we'd love to hear from you you can text or watch WhatsApp to 0862 
103. Uh, Robin says, wasn't that a great early Christmas present to hear on the news this morning with uh, Barry that Marymount Hospice will no longer now need to fundraise to cover the cost of their payroll or other operational costs. Yeah, um, uh, I saw somebody else sending in um, a text earlier saying they can't believe that a, a wonderful facility like Marymount Hospice was ever in a position that they needed to fundraise to cover staff uh, payroll costs or other operational uh, uh, costs. But unfortunately, that's the way it's been and it's the way it has been and continues to be for a number of hospices around the country. But it certainly is a good news uh, story. Marymount Hospice is to benefit from now full state funding. It's measures that come into effect from February. The new uh, plans, there's four voluntary hospital providers and one of them just happens to be ours at Marymount here in Cork. They've been redesignated. They will move. They were Section 39 organisation and that's whereby the HSC give them the money but they have to fundraise uh, the rest but now instead they'll become a Section 38 which means they fully come in under the HSC and the HSC will provide all of the funding to cover the staff and any other operational costs and that doesn't mean that Marymount Hospice will stop fundraising they won't uh, because of the wonderful work Marymount does not just for the person who comes in through the doors of Marymount in need of palliative care but anyone who has walked through the doors of Marymount Hospice or who's received home support from Marymount will know they don't just look after the patient. They have this wonderful holistic approach. They look after the entire family and everyone who is touched by the person who is in there for palliative care. They really are great. So fundraising will continue, but it now means that any of the money that they now raise into the future, they'll be able to target it at real supports, both for the patient and for the family. So so Robin is right. It is an early Christmas present uh, for sure. So uh, well done to everybody inside in uh, Marymount Hospice. Wonderful, wonderful organisation. And can I wish the very best of luck to one of our listeners, Jason in Mayfield, who has contacted us. And he's, he rang the programme this morning and... Jason says uh, he's an alcoholic. He was mostly a home uh, drinker and he decided this year he wanted to do something about it. He had had enough of home drinking. He had had enough of what the alcohol was doing to him. So he went along to his GP and that's a difficult thing to do to open up and say I need help and we're always, I know certainly with Joe Heffernan when we talk about any kind of addictions we always say your first port port of call should be your GP. So that's where Jason went. He went into his GP and he says look I need help. So Jason's GP put him in touch with Heron House. Now, I had to do a quick Google search of Heron House because I was unaware of Heron House. And Heron House is run by the HSE. It's a community addiction counselling service. So it's a non-residential centre, but it's specifically offering counselling for people who have addictions. So Jason went to Heron House in uh, Blackpool. He has been on a 10-week course uh, with them and he is doing great and he just wants to acknowledge them today on the programme, just to say what amazing help they have been giving him and no doubt will give him into the future. And I think as well, Jason, by you calling us this morning, I know it's Heron House you in particular particular want to thank but also you know there might be somebody listening today who's struggling with alcohol with drug addiction with gambling uh, addiction as we're coming into Christmas it can be such a difficult time for anybody with an addiction it might just be the spark that 
somebody might need to say, yes, I need a little bit of uh, help. So well done to everybody in Heron House in Blackpool. And well done to you, Jason, A, for going and getting the help. You're 10 weeks in. Hang in there. I know Christmas is going to be a difficult, but reach out and get as much support as you can to get you through the festive season. And we appreciate your call to the programme this morning, Jason. Uh, 0818 103 103. We wish you nothing but a happy and a peaceful Christmas. This coming Saturday will mark the 27th anniversary of the killing of French mother of one Sophie Toscan de Plantier near her holiday home outside Skull in West Cork. To chat about the murder and the cold case investigation which is currently underway, I'm joined by Ralph Regan, Irish independent journalist and also of course author of a book about the murder, A Dream of uh, Death. Good morning to you Ralph. Good morning Patricia. And you're welcome. Now at at times it's hard to believe that it was 27 uh, years ago. What are your memories of those early days and when the news broke that a woman's body had been found? Yeah, it it, it is hard to believe, Patricia, that is 27 years ago. Um, In actual fact, I I didn't cover it initially. I was working with the the then Cork examiner and I remember being in the newsroom on the day when the word came through that a body had been discovered in West Cork. And at the time, the, the, the examiner's West Cork correspondent was a man called Eddie Cassidy, very fine journalist. And the immediate impression I had, I remember feeling sorry for Eddie because, you know, it was going to be a very big story and it meant that he was going to be working pretty much all the way through Christmas. And of course, then your your thoughts go to the family because when the details began to emerge that it was, you know, quite a young woman. I mean, Sophie was only 39 years old and that she had a young son. So immediately your thoughts go to, God, you know, imagine at Christmas time having to deal with something like this and having to cope with that those levels of grief. And of course, the upset then begins when, I remember the details coming out about the actual nature of the assault and just how violent it was, that people were very much taken aback. And I kind of came to the story just a couple of months later and have been pretty much following it full time since about probably the middle, early part of uh, 1997 and all the developments in the case over the years. And it, I mean, it, it. I don't think it, it, the word extraordinary is sometimes overused but it, you really, it, it's a word that can only apply in this case because I don't think I've ever come across a case where there have been so many twists and turns and astonishing developments. I mean, I remember the, the 2003 defamation hearing and that was taken by, by Ian Bailey against eight Irish and British newspapers and covering that. And that actually was in the run-up. It was in December, the run-up to Christmas. And it was quite a compelling a trial it, it actually hearing I should say it, it dominated the headlines but it, it almost I remember at the time it almost felt like it was, it was a trial and that was very much I think what some of Ian Bailey's um, friends and team would have argued is that it, it, it was a trial in everything bar name now it was a civil action it was not a criminal case um, but yet it felt like it was because there was details of the murder investigation came out that would you know other events never have come out and that's what's unique about this case in that there's so many things about this case that were very different. Ordinarily, in a murder investigation, a person who is arrested will never be identified unless there's a certainty that there's going to be a charge or a major development. That didn't happen in this case. Ian Bailey was arrested uh, in early 1997. He was brought to Bandon Garda Station and he was identified by a tabloid newspaper um, within 24 hours of his arrest, which was quite a significant change 
in protocol and approach to the case. His photograph was used. He felt compelled to defend himself. And he did a couple of interviews to say that he was an innocent man, that he had nothing to do with this. But it put his name front and centre in the investigation. And he has remained front and centre in this really for the last 27 years because, of course, you had the defamation action in 2003 and he lost all but two of the actions. There was a High Court appeal on the basis of that. Then uh, Mr. Bailey took High Court action for wrongful arrest against the Gardaí. Of course, he was arrested twice. He was arrested in 1997 and in 1998. He was released without charge on both occasions. A file was sent to the Director of Public Prosecutions by the Gardaí. The DPP sent it back to the Gardaí with queries. The file was was worked on again. It was resubmitted to the DPP. And in 2000-2001, the Director of Public Prosecution said that there should be no further action, that there was insufficient evidence to warrant any charge. And the DPP noted that in, in the case of Ian Bailey, that he had voluntarily offered um, hair and, and other DNA samples to prove his innocence. And the director commented that these were the actions that were more synonymous with someone who was innocent than otherwise. The DPP commented on the lack of hard forensic evidence and with almost prescient um, understanding of the case, the DPP expressed concerns about a statement that was made by Marie Farrell and about the veracity of that statement, particularly in in terms of the details of an individual that she said she saw at Kalefather Bridge in the early hours, shortly after um, the fatal attack on Sophie. And, of course, Marie Farrell was described as a star witness of the 2003 defamation action. She later dramatically recanted her evidence. It was a story broken by Paul Byrne of TV3 at the time, now with Virgin Media, that um, she claimed that she only made the statements about Ian Bailey because she had been placed under duress by Gardaí in West Cork, which was quite a sensational development. And of course, Marie Farrell then was a key part of the High Court action that Mr. Bailey took against the state for wrongful arrest, which was later struck out. But in that action, the judge had to formally warn Mrs. Farrell about perjury and about evidence under oath because of conflicting evidence between what she had said in previous hearings and what was actually being said during that hearing. And, you know, for any case to have those type of developments would be quite dramatic. But then, of course, we had the overseas investigation in France. And the French, I think, initially believed after the 2003 defamation hearing that there would be prompt and significant developments in Ireland. That didn't happen. And the French decided that they would launch their own investigation. And that is possible under Napoleonic law. All it requires for the French to investigate uh, a, a, a homicide is, is that the individual involved was French. It doesn't matter where it happened in the world. The French are entitled to launch an investigation of their own. And that's what they did. And in this particular case, it took about nine years. Uh, the Gardaí fully cooperated with the French. There was full access to the Garda murder file. And French detectives, detectives visited um, West Cork on a number of occasions. They interviewed a number of the original witnesses. There was uh, Sophie's body was exhumed. There was fresh um, forensic uh, tests conducted, and a file was submitted to an investigating magistrate in France uh, by the, the magistrate Patrick Gachon, who was the man who led the investigation. And the French sanctioned the prosecution. 
And that prosecution culminated in May of 2019 in a murder case being brought against Ian Bailey. It lasted for one week and he was convicted of killing um, Sophie by the three French judges. And he was sentenced to 25 years in prison. Now, Mr. Bailey, was he was tried in absentia. He declined to go to France. He described the French prosecution as a travesty and a show trial. He said that any of the evidence that exonerated him was effectively ignored by the French. And it was interesting that there was a lot of emphasis placed on on the statement of Marie Farrell, but it was not brought into the, the French proceedings that Marie Farrell had recanted that statement or that she had made contrary statements as subsequent to it. And of course, on the foot of the, the conviction, the French sought the extradition of, of Mr. Bailey. And three times over the course of the last, I think, 13 years, the Irish courts have refused to extradite uh, Ian Bailey to France. So he remains in West Cork. He says himself that he's an innocent man that has been bonfired. He has consistently protested his innocence. He said that attempts were made to frame him for this crime. And he also said that he's basically trapped in Ireland, that he cannot leave Ireland for fear of arrest and possible extradition to France on the basis of any country that he might visit. Where he would be locked up for for 25 years. As you said at the outset, it is an absolutely uh, extraordinary uh, story. A cold case has the guy they are currently in, in um, have instigated a cold case. Is there any progress with that cold case? Um, I'm told, Patricia, that there has been. They're they're staying very tight-lipped about it. I mean, they're playing their cards very, very close to their chest uh, in terms of this investigation. But the sources that I have, I've been told that there's significant progress has been made. I don't think that progress includes any significant forensic breakthroughs, and I really think that's where this case is going to be decided unless there's new evidence or unless there's some type of forensic evidence that's been developed um, to point towards who might be responsible for this. Um, you have to remember, like it's 27 years ago, a significant number of the witnesses that were involved in, in the case are now dead. A significant number of the original guardie who were involved in the investigation have also passed away, which complicates matters significantly for the, the cold yeah, case team. It's making the job much, much harder. Much has, has Ian Bailey been spoken to as part of the cold case review? No, he has not. Oh. No, it's unusual in that he has he specifically wrote to the Garda Commissioner, Drew Harris, I think it was two years ago, pleading for a cold case review because he said only a cold case review would publicly exonerate him and prove his position that he had nothing whatsoever to do with this crime. It was a couple of months later that uh, the commissioner confirmed that there was going to be this cold case review. There was a major um, press conference in West Cork um, roughly around this time of the year, uh, last December, where they outlined exactly what was going to happen. The guards were saying it's a twin-track approach. There is the original um, Garda murder investigation, which is still ongoing. And then there's this separate cold case review, which is going to review the Garda murder file and make any recommendations that they might think in terms of re-examining old evidence or possibly putting the, the, directing the investigation in a slightly different direction. And on the basis of those recommendations, then the file will be worked on. It'll be resubmitted to the Director of Public Prosecutions, and the DPP will then make a decision. Has anything changed between 2000 and 2001 when the decision was made that no further action should be taken? 
and no. And no. Yeah, I told uh, it's a largely circumstantial case. Yeah. And to put in context just how big it is, there's over 10,000 different statements and items of evidence. So it is quite a substantial file. Incredible. I mean, even somebody who made a statement 27 years ago, I'd be hard pushed to remember what, what I said uh, yes. a month ago, let, let alone uh, 27 years ago. How will Sophie be remembered, Ralph, next Saturday? Uh, it's it's a very poignant um, anniversary. Um, there will be, of course, prayers said for her um, in Goleen, in West Cork. Now, for many, many years, her parents, uh, Marguerite, um, her, uh, uh, I think it's Danielle, is it Danielle and Marguerite Buniel, and her aunt, Marie Madeline Opalka, would travel over to um, West Cork, and they would personally attend the Memorial Mass for Sophie each year. And it was really very moving to stand at the site to see them walk through Sophie's old house down the hill. There's a stone Celtic cross with just the simple word Sophie written on it. And they would place a wreath, a beautiful wreath, or bunch of white lilies, which was apparently Sophie's favourite flower. They would place them at the foot of this headstone, which marks the spot where her body was discovered shortly after 10 a.m. on December the 23rd, 1996. And they would attend the, the Mass in Goleen and they would speak to the media afterwards. Every year, they would make a personal appeal for information. Of course, the whole family are, are too old to travel to West Cork, so there's going to be a private uh, Mass in Paris that the family members will attend. And of course, I should point out that the, the property in West Cork is still owned by Sophie's son, Pierre Louis. And he's, in honour of his mother, his eldest daughter is called Sophie. Sophie yeah. And he still uses the house for family holidays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bless his heart. OK, so we'll think of Sophie, but in particular, uh, thinking of her family uh, this uh, Saturday. And just, Ralph, before I let you go, um, just the last time I spoke with you a number of weeks ago, you've just been to the States, you were covering the Jason Corbett uh, murder trial. Um, how were Jason's family uh, doing, particularly after what looked like what was going to be an early release date for Tom? and Molly Martins. I mean, it was just shocking what happened. It was. I think the only word that I could probably use, um, Patricia, for, for how they felt after the events of, uh, that led up to the November the 8th sentencing was traumatised. I think they were very, very upset. Um, they had consistently said since 2015 that they put their full faith and trust in the justice system in North Carolina. Um, I think they feel very badly let down that um, a man could lose his life in such violent circumstances and his two killers basically to be handed sentences of four years and three months. And it really just added insult to injury, the events uh, you mentioned there. For your listeners who may not be aware of it, uh, Tom and Molly Martins were sentenced to an extra seven months in custody on November the 8th. Literally within four weeks, it suddenly emerged that they were due for release on December the 6th and December the 7th. And there was outrage, not just in Ireland, but in the United States, that why on earth have a sentencing hearing if these couple were only going to spend another four weeks inside in custody? And what did the extra seven months mean if they were only going to be released after four weeks? And then it transpired that it was a mistake, that there had been some calculation error in terms of the parole board um, in assessing when Tom and Molly should be released. But I think the family have a lot of questions for the simple reason that in 2017, when they were convicted of second-degree murder, Tom and Molly Martins were only kept, they were kept for less than 24 hours in Davidson County Jail in Lexington before they were transferred into the state prison system. This time, they were kept for four weeks mm. in Davidson County Jail. They were 
never transferred to the state prison system. And the question arises, well, why? Why were they not transferred? Was, how was the parole mistake realised so quickly that they weren't transferred into the state prison system? And even if you look at it now, they were both transferred to maximum security prisons two weeks ago. And Tom Martins has already been transferred into a minimum security prison, which specialises in preparing inmates for release back into society. Oh, God, it's so hard. It's just so hard on Jason's family. It really is. Uh, listen, uh, Ralph, we'll leave it there. As always, uh, thank you. And uh, indeed, is this the last time I speak to you uh, b- before Christmas? And um, thank you for all your contributions throughout the year. I know a lot of our listeners love when they hear that Ralph Regal is going to be joining us on the programme. Uh, so thank you for that and have a no. lovely and have a lovely Christmas. And Patricia, thank you so much for all your support. And can I wish you and all of your listeners, I won't say a Merry Christmas, what I will say is a, a safe and peaceful Christmas. Thank you. Maybe a safe one for us all. Uh, many happy returns. Thanks, Ralph. Talk in the new year. God bless. Bye-bye. Now, Christmas is all about families and enjoying time together, especially as we gather for the big Christmas dinner. But for some, the idea of even cooking a Christmas dinner is the furthest thing from their minds. If you fall into that camp and you live anywhere near Casey's Bar and Restaurant in Clonakilty, please know there is an offer of a free Christmas dinner just for you to chat about this wonderful annual gesture of kindness. I'm joined by the owner of award-winning Casey's Bar and Restaurant, and that is James uh, Casey. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, Patricia, and happy Christmas to you. Well, many happy returns, and, and I know this is a busy time of year, so I appreciate you taking time to talk to us. Now, you started this initiative, if I'm open to question, I think it was 2015 was, was the first year. Can you just take us back and remind us why you decided to start offering free Christmas dinners? So I was kind of in the situation myself um, many years ago when I was in Australia. So myself and two housemates were living together and we said that we'd go shopping Christmas Eve and we'd go all out and we'd do get all the bells and whistles for the Christmas day. But we were working half day kind of uh, Christmas Eve so we didn't get to do, we didn't expect the big supermarkets and shops to be closed early on Christmas Eve, which they did close very, very early. And a long story short, we were left with chips and chicken nuggets on Christmas Day. Oh, bless. <laughs> oh, and it's tough enough being away from home for Christmas without yeah. chicken so nuggets and chips for dinner. That's where the idea came from originally. Okay. So even, you know, something simple like a Christmas dinner on Christmas Day is kind of, you know, it kind of makes it, you know. And and, and there, yeah, yeah, and there are people, uh, James. There are individuals who maybe live on their own, and you know, with who's who. Why would I cook a Christmas dinner for one? Are exactly. there are there might even just be two people together in a house, and the thoughts of doing a Christmas dinner just might be too overwhelming for them. Of course, there's an awful lot of effort between the turkey and ham, and you know, the potatoes and the veg and all the preparation that goes into it, the shopping and you know the whole lot. So. Um, that's kind of why we do it, you know, just to take that bit of loneliness out of Christmas Day for some people out there. And over the years, since 2015, James, have the numbers who come to get one of your dinners, have they grown? They're slowly growing year on year, they? Yeah, which Are is they? great. And and just remind listeners how it operates. So you, you People book a, t- is it you book a time slot or what way is it done? No, so it's all confidential. So you can either pop into us on Christmas Eve between 12 and 9 o'clock, give us five or ten minutes and we'll get it all ready for them to be in a bag and off they go, whether they want one or two or whatever. 
or if they're around the area, what they can do if they're not able to get down to us or they have no transport or whatever. If they let us know with our address, we can drop it off to them as well. Okay, it's no problem that way. You're, you're ama- and it's, it's a full Christmas dinner with all the trimmings? Full Christmas dinner with all the trimmings and a dessert. And our local distillery here, Clannacilty Distillery, um, gave us mini, they're kind of like small whiskies. Yeah, they're all, they're the little bottles. Yeah, little bottles. Yeah. They're, they're the ones. There's a double that's, shot in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to each of the bags as well. <laughs> Maybe for a hot toddy or so, whatever. Oh, that's fine. You can have a little bit of a toast as well at the same time. And can we, what, what's the dessert? So the dessert varies. So we have a couple of different desserts. So do you know the Christmas puddings and stuff like that. Do you? <laughs> and trifles. Have you? Yeah, I was going to ask, is there a sherry trifle in there? There is, ah, of course, there is. Put me down for one of those. And, and come here, James, do the suppliers help you out? Because obviously there's a cost involved in this. Um, not really. We don't really go looking for it either. You know, it's something that we just kind of, we do a lot for charity. And this is just one of the things that we kind of, you know, there's only once a year that we kind of just want to give back and maybe help whoever we can when we're at it. It's brilliant. And you don't ask any questions. If, the, if, if somebody's out there is in need, they can't cook a Christmas dinner or don't want to do it, they can contact you or pop in and pick up the dinner. There's no questions asked. No questions asked. Anyone that comes to the door looking for dinner will get one. And they don't even have to be living alone as well this year, Patricia, or last year even. With the, you know, the cost of everything, the cost yeah. of living. Yeah. Um, you know, they might not be able to afford it. They might have hit hard times or something like that. And they're more than welcome to have a dinner as well. And, and and how busy are you at the in the bar and restaurant? Uh, it's really really busy. Is we're um, we're doing an awful lot of food. Kind of food is the kind of um, way it's kind of gone. Uh, the day drinking is kind of gone as such. Um, you know, compared to what it used to be years ago, and food is after taking over that big time. Yeah, and I, I take it do people do do people come out for like little Christmas parties, little get-togethers, that kind of thing? You do yeah. a lot of that. Families getting together. We've an awful lot of that, uh, especially the weekends, you know, and different companies, Christmas parties and reunions and family get-togethers and we're kind of a one-stop shop. We'll take, any, we'll take anything at all, from, uh, from the womb to the tomb. <laughs> yeah, births, deaths, christenings, it's all covered. Um, yeah. And had, do you feel you've recovered now from, from COVID, James, and all of the lockdowns? And It's a very, very difficult time for your industry. Um, we're we're back on the we're back on the home road, road again. I suppose we're definitely on the way back. But um, I think um, culture has changed a small bit um, since COVID. You know, I think the nightlife in general is kind of after taming back a small bit. You know, there's no nightclubs as mm-hmm. such in, in rural, say, outside of cities. Yeah, are kind of um, after affected as well. And I think um, things have changed a small bit since COVID. I'd be thinking anyway. Yeah, people get into the habit of home drinking. We, you know, we were never really a society that got into home that were home drinkers. We were more the social uh, drinkers where we went out to the pub. Exactly. But I think people got into drinking at home, and it's that's been the death nail of a lot of, particularly some of the very smaller pubs. Yeah, there's definitely a percentage of that going on. And I, I know, and I, I assume Clonakilty is the same as everywhere else. Have you a problem with lack of taxis? There is. Yeah. Um, there is a periods of time um, there is a shortage of taxis I think what is after happening in some cases is a lot of the taxi drivers have are after getting school runs yeah. you know so they're doing Monday to Friday evening mornings and evenings and they can be up late at night or you know um, when they have to get up early in the morning and stuff like that 
So I know personally a few taxi drivers, so that's kind of the route they're going down. Yeah, and uh, and that that is affecting people going out at night if you exactly. if you can't get a lift home. Yeah, we had um there was a woman out for her forties uh Saturday night and she tried to get a taxi at about nine o'clock to go home, which I thought would have been in good time to not start planning. And she was told that to be three or half three when the pubs oh. were closing at one o'clock. Um, so that was... What, she, what did she do? We actually got her a taxi. She did actually you? shared the minibus with someone that was passing her door. And wow. her group. So she, she was lucky that way. Yeah, it is It is tricky. It really is but tricky. I think it's getting a bit better. I think there's yeah. more kind of coming on the road and they're putting on more cars. You know, when the business is there, I think they're kind of taking advantage of it in a way as well. So I, I hope that is um, is getting better. I, I still can't understand why, why we don't introduce Uber. It works everywhere else in the world. Yeah, brilliant. And we should we should be doing it here because you'd have people then will be able to get a little bit of part-time work. They can do their day job and they might do a couple of evenings. Uh, on evening the, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Okay, lovely checks in saying Casey's is a beautiful spot. Great food and brilliant staff, which is great. I love to hear about the brilliant oh, that's staff. Great that's nice Listen, to hear James, happy Christmas to you and all of the bunch at uh, Casey's award-winning bar and uh, restaurant. We were very proud of your big award uh, last year. You were a great bunch. Have a great Christmas, a peaceful Christmas and a busy one. And thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you very much, Patricia. And happy Christmas again to you and your listeners. God bless. Mind yourself. Take care. Uh, what a lovely man that is James Casey, Casey's Bar and Restaurant in Clan. So please, if you're anywhere uh, around Casey's Bar and Restaurant and in need of a Christmas dinner, uh, just pop in. They'll give it to you with all the trimmings, your dessert and even a little shot of whiskey uh, for you if you want to make a hot hot toddy uh, afterwards or maybe an Irish coffee. 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls. Uh, when I was chatting with uh, James Casey in the last hour, about that wonderful, kind, kind act that they've been doing since 2015 of just offering free Christmas dinners with all the trimmings and desserts. And this year, there's even a shot of whiskey thrown in thanks to Clonakilty uh, Distilleries. It's just, just a lovely, lovely thing uh, to do at this time of the year. And then we got chatting about how bars and restaurants are doing. And I brought up about the issue of taxis and the lack thereof of uh, taxis. And somebody's backing up the point I made to James Patricia. The simple solution to the shortages of taxis latest latest night is to introduce an Uber taxi service. They've done it in countries all over the world. It works successfully in countries all over the world. Why can't we introduce it here? And it was introduced in many countries all over the world for the very same reason and the very same problem that we're experiencing at the moment, because at certain times of the night in particular, uh, there's never going to be enough taxis, no matter how many taxi licenses we have in this country. At uh, you know, when the pubs close or when the nightclubs close, there's never going to be enough taxis. And that's why if you have Uber services, you will have Uber drivers deciding they might work one night uh, a week, but it just takes the flack away from the taxis and it takes over on those busy, busy times. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to have to happen. But when? I just don't know. We seem to be always slow to move on things like that. I know the taxi industry themselves, for various obvious reasons, are very much against the notion of bringing Uber into the this country. I know there's Uber available in some of the cities, but in order to be an Uber driver, you have to have a taxi licence, so it's kind of defeating uh, the purpose. Uh, thank you for your text. And just staying on my lovely chat with uh, James in the last hour, somebody said, Patricia, heartwarming to hear from Casey's Bar and Restaurant in Clonakilty and their very generous Christmas dinner offer. I'll be sure to pop in there when I'm next in the area. Happy Christmas to all. And that's from Gerard uh, messaging us from Mallow. Thank you. And listen, it's a fine 
fine, fine restaurant. You'll get gorgeous food in there uh, as well. And hi, Patricia, did you see Casey's Bar and Restaurant, their Christmas video? This texter said, I saw it on Facebook last night. It is so cute. They've teamed up with the local animal shelter for such a heartwarming uh, video. And I'm actually kicking myself because I did see the video yesterday when I was doing some prep in advance of James coming on on the programme. I spotted the video. It is gorgeous. I actually shared it on my own uh, Facebook feed. But if you go into Casey's Bar and Restaurant Clonakilty, they have this gorgeous, gorgeous video. And it's the local animal shelter. They're trying to help out the animal shelter. A dog is for life. It's not just for Christmas. But it's beautiful if people want to take the time out uh, to watch that. And I'm kicking myself because I meant to say it to James. I meant to ask him about it. But unfortunately, time ran out on us. And then talking about having to give out meals. And James was saying, you know, initially this was set up for people who are lonely at Christmas or people for whatever reason, you know, don't want to maybe cook a Christmas dinner for themselves or are not able to do it. But he said definitely it's expanding this year because there will be people who are with the cost of living crisis, people unable to afford a Christmas dinner. So he's very much open to people because they don't ask any questions. If you need a Christmas dinner, you can just pop in and they'll willingly give it to you. And if there's two in the family, whatever, they they will look after you. But of course, the cost of living crisis is affecting more and more people. That prompted John and Cole to remember when he was in school. He said they had what he called a penny dinner hall. It was in Cove. Uh, It used to open just during the winter months and John remembers they'd go up there at 12.30 from school lunchtime and they'd be given a hot dinner. It was run by the nuns. Uh, John's memory is it was just across the road from the cathedral in Cove. Anybody else remember that? He said it was, I don't know if it was called the penny dinner hall or not but he said the way things are going Cove could badly do with that reopening and I think others, John, would say many other the towns could do with the reopening. Look at how busy, when you talk of penny dinners, look at how busy Katrina Toomey is and how busy she'll be on Christmas Day and how many people will enjoy a wonderful Christmas dinner with company at Cork Penny Dinners on next uh, Monday. They're just, they're a wonderful organisation and they are getting busier and busier every single year. 0818103103. We were talking about the health service and how the HSE along with the Minister for Health, are on this major drive at the moment to empty wards of as many patients as as possible. And what the whole aim of it is, is to avert any kind of a dangerous spike in trolley gridlock after the Christmas period. They're worried because what happened last year in the early days of January, on one of the worst days ever in the early days of, of January of this year, there was 931 people waiting for beds and they're fearful that the same thing could happen again because there's still a lot of COVID out there, there's flu out there and there's this awful RSV virus that is really affecting older people and very young children, babies in particular and they're fearful that because the RSV is highly contagious, if that spreads they could end up with a lot more people through the emergency department so they want to be ready for it, they just weren't ready for it last year Uh, so they don't want to have a follow-on from what they had last year so they're clearing out as many beds uh, as possible but I mentioned it with regard to yesterday talking about our young doctors and nurses when they qualify that they are all heading off abroad and they're being enticed particularly by the Australian Health Department they're giving them they're paying them more they're paying them to relocate and they're really encouraging them uh, to travel uh, Pat always uh, Pat in Formoy, uh, says once our doctors or nurses qualify many of them go abroad immediately to work but if you qualify 
qualify in the health service in America or in Australia, you're obliged to work at least one year, if not more, before you are allowed to emigrate to go to another country. Maybe we need to bring in rules like that here in this country. It would at least guarantee us that we would have a certain number of qualified, newly qualified nurses, doctors and other health professionals coming into the system every year. And then it would also free up people who do want to travel. 0818103103. We were remembering Sophie Tuscan de Plantier today in advance of her 27th anniversary of her murder on uh, Saturday. A couple of people responding to my chat with Ralph Regal. Mike in West Cork says, Patricia, let's call a spade a spade here. The powers that be totally messed up that murder case. That poor woman, her killer will never spend a day in jail. Mark my words, that's from Mike in uh, West uh, Cork. And someone else says, I actually feel very sorry for Ian Bailey. The mess that was made of the case by the Gardaí, there was false witness statements, wrongful arrest. Do you know, Patricia, he actually missed his mother's funeral in the UK. He was so afraid to travel in case he would get extra I feel the Gardaí have a lot to answer uh, for. But great, great sympathy for Ian Bailey, says this uh, texter to 0862 103 103. And I mentioned the high winds that we're experiencing at the moment and there's a status yellow wind warning and it's in place until 8 o'clock tonight. And I mentioned the seas and the high winds at seas. And the reason that I'm really thinking of seafarers today is um, my I have a group of my family are coming uh, to join me for Christmas from the UK and they're sailing this afternoon coming across the Irish Sea. They'll be blown across Somebody, Sheila says, Patricia, when you're talking about the wind and the high seas, I remember, now she's the exact date and everything, 10th of November 1991. Our Sheila was on the ferry from uh, England. She remembers the date so well because she was coming to Ireland to live. I was travelling alone with a carload of pets. It was the worst crossing I've ever done in many, many years. It took nearly five hours for the boat to get across the Irish Sea because they couldn't get into Rosslare Harbour because of the high winds. There was bodies and sick everywhere. Then on my way down the country, my windscreen wipers broke in the heaviest wind and rain I'd ever experienced. By the way, says Sheila, I haven't been on a ferry since in 32 years. It put her off completely. I remember, yeah, I remember friends of mine coming home one uh, Christmas on the ferry as well. And like that, they couldn't dock into Rosslare. The winds were too high. So they could see land, but they had to sort of anchor out until it was safe to go in. And everywhere it people sick they ran out of sick bags and the boat was just bobbing up and down and I remember a friend of mine saying that she actually she was a good swimmer she said she actually contemplated jumping in and swimming across because she said she could see Rosley or she could see land you know she didn't but yeah I think anyone who's ever done that journey in the winter time uh, you can be very lucky and you can sail across and it's like glass or you can be unlucky like a day like today and it can be very high winds and high seas and it's not it is really really not a nice thing to experience 0818 103 103 and Mary's been on to say, Patricia, I've noticed there's no light in the crib in the church on Main Street in Mallow. Or do I need to go to Specsavers, which is just across the road from the church in Mallow and up a little bit, Mary? I don't know. I haven't seen the uh, crib. 
I have seen the creep, but I haven't noticed whether there's a light on or off. Does the light only come on at night? Uh, can anybody let us know the crib on Main Street in uh, Mallow why there isn't a light and I know we had some calls in uh, well we a call in I think it was one person in particular uh, was complaining about the, the the crib in the church in Clannacilty that the crib isn't there the figures are there but the actual physical crib uh, isn't there and we got on to the, the priests and the sacristans there and it's actually a health and safety uh, issue the reason that they haven't put out the crib this year but the figures are there and, and isn't that what the crib is all about is actually looking at the figures. So does anybody know what is there or isn't there a light on the crib on Main Street in Mallow? And just staying on Christmas and a little bit of a warning for you, if you are going to be opening a bottle of champagne or Prosecco in the run-up to Christmas, experts are warning. You need to be careful when you are popping your bottle of bubbly this year because do you know the cork can leave the bottle at a speed of 80 kilometres per hour and it can actually cause very, very serious eye damage. Now, according to the experts, pressure in a standard bottle of champagne or sparkling wine is about three times the pressure that you would find in a standard car tyre. Isn't that incredible? This has potential to launch a cork up to 13 metres at speeds of up to 80 kilometres per hour. The cork then can travel from the bottle to somebody's eye so fast, they're saying the speed of it would be less than 0.05 seconds. So that would make the blink reflex ineffective. Injuries can and have resulted in permanent blindness in an eye, retina becoming detached, uh, the lens becoming dislocated among some of the conditions. So academics have been studying it and they've suggested some tips to avoid injury if you are planning on making a toast this Christmas. And this is in line with the American Academy of Ophthalmology. Now they include chilling the bottle of bubbly before opening it that actually reduces the pressure and it also reduces the cork uh, velocity. Always obviously point the bottle at a 45 degree angle away from yourself but more importantly away from others so don't be pointing it directly at uh, someone and if and when you're actually releasing uh, it you can counteract the upward movement by pressing down on it and then God forbid, if you or somebody else is injured, the advice is is to seek prompt con- a consultation with an ophthalmologist to minimise the risk of vision impairment. And this, uh, this group of academics have just published their research in the British Medical Journal and the authors say, let us toast to an excellent new year. Keep the bubbly in our glass and the sparkle in our eyes. C103 Jobs. Baker Finn are recruiting for van drivers. It's to cover Cork and Kerry regions. Email d.delaney at bakerfin.com. Tria Oil Products, they've got a vacancy for a truck driver for rigid and arctic deliveries. That's in the Clonakilty and Bandon areas, 087-7717035. Construction worker wanted for industrial pipe insulation in the Cork County areas. CV to mullinown1 at gmail.com. And a full-time kitchen assistant is required for the Maria Goretti Nursing at Home in Kilmallock. They're also looking for full-time staff nurse. CVs to admin at mgnh.ie. You can get more uh, details on the jobs we've just announced and other jobs are also available by going to c103.ie forward slash job link. 
This is C103. Now, one of Cork's best-known busking stars has written a Christmas song which has just been released. Uh, Dylan Brickley from White Church joins me in studio this morning in advance of us going to play his uh, new song which is called Last Christmas and he's joined in studio by Corey Power who is also features on this particular song. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Patricia. Very well. Dylan, let me start with you because I last chatted to you back in uh, April where you released it. Was that your first song close yeah, to you? It yeah, it was, yeah. So tell me how all that went because I remember you were nervous about it at the time. And Yeah, so um, the release actually went great. Um, it went to number one on iTunes and the response was really good. Throughout the year then I was just uh, working on my songwriting, getting some new songs done and... Um, yeah, it's been a busy year. I'm uh, recently a father as well. Oh, congratulations. To um, a beautiful baby girl called Naya Rose. So, um, Naya Rose, what a yeah. name. When was Naya born? She was born... Oh, oh no, he's going to get caught in this. <laughs> Corey. Uh, the 12th of November. November. <laughs> Even I know. Am I the dad? <laughs> <laughs> you can be the godfather, Corey, yeah. if you haven't been asked yet. Uh, oh, and is it very difficult when you put your work out there? Because, you know... You write something and you like to think it's good, but then you got to put it out there to see. Is that is that hard? Yeah, it is. To be fair, like because sometimes over the years, you know, you might think you have a good song, but like it takes years to try and actually get to where you need to be. And um, it is, yeah. When you release a song, you don't know how it's going to go. And luckily, this year has been a very good year for me. And since releasing last Christmas as well, it's it's been our best so far with streams on Spotify it's close to 10,000 streams it's a week ago now isn't it since yeah. you released it yeah. Yeah, yeah and Corey where do you come into the picture on this how long have you been friends and how I have mean, Dylan been? been friends for about 10 years now it's actually been 10 years in the making because we never actually had a song together I release music Dylan release music we've been jamming on our own solo artists in and out through bands through the years and um, yeah, this this thing came about around October. We started writing, and um, I think it's time to maybe Christmas time. Yeah, uh, it's our first Christmas song that we ever had out. My first Christmas song as well. So yeah, that's how it all kind of started. Really, just and do you busk as well? I busk you? as well, yeah. and I gig as well, and. Uh, yeah, we just met each other through busking, and uh, yeah. yeah, ever since then, friends. And, uh, and and I've heard I've heard the song as we just say. I'm going to play in a minute. Your voices complement each other. Yeah, yeah, see, we we Particularly two well. we, we two different voices, but that yeah. that's where sometimes it can um, come together definitely. Yeah. So, and is the writing is the writing of this song down to you, Dylan, or is it a joint effort? Um, I wrote the song, yeah. Okay. But so um, talk to me about your thought pattern with the with the song. So the song kind of came about like. Um, you know, Christmas vibes, like happy things to do with your family, all your loved ones. But, um, you know, Christmas time is a, is a happy time for a lot of people, but it can also be a very difficult time and a hard time for s- some people, you know, who are missing loved ones or going through a few struggles. So I just wanted to try and grasp all of them feelings and put, put the song together. So, um, yeah, there's um, a few shout outs that I need to mention. Uh, Axel Vapor is the producer of the song. Um, the video that comes out tomorrow, Dara Ryan from One Snap Productions done it. Amazing job. Um, I need to give a shout out to Roy, Jennifer, Jessica, Sasha and Shania for acting. And without the, without them, the video would not have happened. And also to Katrina Toomey from Cork Penny Dinners. She, she's due an Oscar after this video. <laughs> you, ha- you have our Katrina actually starring in she's the starring in it and yeah. i was so shocked watching her doing what she was doing because as you know now she's very busy this time of year yeah. and you know um we've worked with her a lot over the years and i i didn't know if she would have had the time to help us but um she she's outstanding 
what she you, does. But you've been, and, and I don't know, Cor, if you're the same, you've been a great supporter of yeah. Cork Penny Dinners. Yeah, we, uh, we've been working with her now for the last couple of years. Yeah, it's Cor, a long yeah. through the years, yeah, yeah, definitely. I know Katrina since, 28 now, I know Katrina since about 19, so... And it's uh, shocking to think that she's getting busier, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think this is their busiest year, yeah. believe it or not. Um, so I think it's always good to get, the community looks after us and, you know, you got to give back to the community as well and the people of Cork and um, you know what goes around comes around as I always say so yeah. it's a nice talk you're doing, your, you're doing your busking day for yeah so the busking for Cork Penny Dinners is uh, this Saturday outside Brown Thomas from 10 o'clock in the morning till 6 o'clock okay. and we got like some of Cork's best talent coming on the day it's just a few to mention Andrew Fletcher Kel- Kelvin Long um, we got Sarah Lou, we got Miles Gaffney Stephanie Rainey we got the High Hopes Choir oh yeah well and like yeah, and uh, so everyone does a, does a slot because a little set, it'll yeah. be like a half an hour for yeah. each slot so 10 to 6 and um, our last year went to Maze and uh, we, we raised nearly 6 grand last year out of the 6 hours so to be honest I didn't even think we'd make that much so this year we're just even looking bigger for and better. bigger yeah. and better bigger and better we're going and, and what is it about busking Dylan what, what for you what is it about busking to be honest it's just like how you like create an atmosphere for people like that you don't know that are walking by and just how does how you can get them to stop doing their daily business and just that they connect with a song or they connect with your voice and yeah we've been busking since i've been busking since i was 18 and um i just love that part of it like meeting people that you don't know and just you know getting getting your audience a bit bigger that's that's what i love for you Corey. What is it about busking? Uh, to be honest, I've always just... Uh, but Dylan actually got me into busking now. I was afraid to sing to my own shadow at one stage. <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, it definitely kind of gave me a career, I guess. Um, you know, I do gigs as well. But busking is a whole different audience. Um, everybody thinks you're just standing there with a guitar and sing. But no, you actually find the graft how to actually stop 100 people to listen to you for three minutes. Why Why should they stop? That's a talent. Or why should they, you know, mm. throw a couple of bob or this and that? But... It's like uh, you learned the graft through it through the years, and at the start we didn't have a clue. Well, yeah. We used to bust down alleys, but now we have, you know, thankfully touch wood, crowds upon us now these days, and helped us to take off our TikToks or social medias, and yeah, so yeah, social media has really helped, hasn't it? For, yeah, yeah TikTok kind of took off for me now, and early. Jesus, uh, five hundred thousand followers on there now, and all because of a busking video. So, which is pretty crazy that like it actually paid off kind of in the end. So mm. I'm very thankful. For and what's the gigging scene like for you? Where where do you gig? And with gig now, like the wires, JJ's in town. Um, good Clancy's. Clancy's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Uh, like the crowds in there are fairly lively and. You know, we're actually playing a gig there tonight in JJ Welch's at half nine, if anyone's about. But, um, yeah, it, gigging as well is brilliant because, like, you learn so much. You learn, like, what goes down well, what not to play, you know. You have yeah. to kind of... Busking and gigging's a whole different thing. Are they? Yeah. yeah. You have to always be, like, learning and just, like, learning the atmospheres, what people want, if they want Irish music, if they want new new kind of music. But um, So does that yeah. mean you go into a gig and you have, you have a set in your mind that you're going to do and yeah. you might have to change it? Yeah, definitely. Like sometimes, <laughs> yeah, it, it always goes like that. But it's just like we're we're at it a good way now, so we can you can tell if people want like Irish music or if people want all the the bangers at the moment. So yeah, 
drunk people get in line, they'll go, can you play this? Can you play that? So we're like a jukebox as well, but hey, we have fun doing it. Fairy yeah. Tale of New York. So you yeah. Get yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, that's a great tune, to be yeah. fair. Yeah. I don't mind playing that, like, because uh, the Pogues, Shane McGoon. Yeah, and particularly, I think, this year more than ever. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it, but it's the one guaranteed one that will get everybody going and everybody Definitely. singing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we, yeah, that, that, that song always goes down well. I actually yeah. met um, Glenn Hansard in, in, in the city there um, two days ago while I was busking. And uh, it was mad because he only sang at Shane McGowan's funeral. funeral yeah. But a uh, lovely man. Did he come over? I was just setting up my equipment, so I was kind of gutted that it, it wasn't five minutes before yeah. or after. But he was playing a tin whistle. He he must have been. He had a gig in the city hall, so but he came over and stood in for a picture lovely fella pure down to earth so yeah. it's nice to get a yeah because you often when we were talking about social media you, you often see on social media somebody gigging somewhere around, or somebody busking around the world and a well known they're singing somebody's song and the person walks up yeah, that must yeah, be a yeah. magical moment for anybody I'd say he would have done it like cause yeah. he's done it in the past as well so yeah. but um, ah, next time I suppose yeah yeah. yeah. Oh, and of course you've bossed all over the world you were yeah. you were Cambodia you were in I mean you went to some strange places yeah <laughs> yeah well they were actually uh they were great places. I oh, loved no. it. Um, I was in Australia, all around Europe. Um, it was good times. And yeah, we went to Germany. We, we when we started busking, you see, uh, right at the beginning, we were playing in Cork for Ireland. I got to know Corey, and then I was like, I'm going off to Europe, kind of backpacking, busking, and I was like, come with me, like, and we'll we'll have a good time. And oh, that's what we done. There was bad times too, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's what we done, and we we learned so much. You know, it's not as free as what. The cities in Ireland, you can't just. There's a lot of laws. Yeah, there. I, I just think that's what music in general. When you go busking, you know, you put on your backsack, and but some people will just never get to experience. I'm very thankful that you know you we, did. It's kind of different, but not saying that like you know, there's good times and bad times, but. I'd, yeah, I, I have no regrets. On yeah, it. great it's, learning experience. Of course. Yeah. And obviously, Daddy now can't do that anymore. No. No, no I'm, I'm back for good. <laughs> yes. I can. I yes. can. I've no kids. You can, you can send the postcard. Yeah. Um, okay, and the um, plans for the future then? What's next year looking like, Dylan? Next year, just keep on working on the original music. Um, this year as well, we got to play at Electric Picnic, so hopefully we get brought back there and just keep getting better at the songwriting. Just keep on releasing music, getting a bigger audience. That's my plan. Well done. Well done for you, Dylan. Yeah, uh, say, Corey, Corey. Same with me. Uh, it's just about putting the graft in and um, wherever the music goes, nowhere. I'm just very happy to make music and all is a bonus as uh, long as we live happy and healthy. Yeah, and when you're enjoying it, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so uh, Dylan uh, Brickley and Corey Power, here is their uh, new release called Last uh, Christmas. And you say the video drops? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Six o'clock. On all the social media. So, yeah. Okay, listen, thank you both for joining us in the studio and good luck with this. Thank, thank you. you. We look out on all their social media, so I'll be dropping the video. I just got a, a glimpse of the video. It really is gorgeous with uh, Katrina Toomey from Penny Dinners playing a starring role in the video but that's it's a great great uh, song and we wish good luck to Dylan and to Corey it's great to see young talent and you know particularly when they're writing their own uh, music uh, as well it really is terrific we are blessed in this city and uh, county Selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. For the musical talent that we have. 0818103103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862103103. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. For our final guard, the file for 2023, we're heading to Bandingar, the station where I'm joined by Sergeant Morgan uh, O'Sullivan. Good morning to you, Morgan. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. And we start with burglaries. You've got five in total that you're looking for help with. Yeah, unfortunately, last weekend was a bad weekend for burglaries in, in some areas. But just, uh, so we just want to highlight a few of these um, for your listeners. So I'll, I'll start with um, the Kentork Mill Street area where um, the guards are investigating a number of burglaries that occurred last Saturday. Um, as well, we, the first two that I highlight happened in the Gortine area of Kentork between 4.30pm and 11pm last Saturday. Now, during these burglaries, two separate, unoccupied private dwellings uh, were broken into. The times in question are just as the hours of darkness were starting. You know, it might be a time when people were returning home from work or maybe heading over something to eat or going to mass or indeed returning home afterwards after attending such activities. Um, so that was Gortine. And the same evening, between 9pm and 10pm, a farm shed was broken into in the Jumskehi area of Borbui. This resulted in some tools and equipment being stolen, including an angle grinder. And in around the same time, two more premises were broken into at Dramok, Kentork. Now, a significant quantity of cash was taken from one of these properties, uh, and these two burglaries took place sometime between the afternoon of the 16th, the same day again, and into the early hours of Sunday the 17th. So... The areas of particular interest are Gortine Kentork, Drumock Kentork, and Drumskay Borby. And these are situated close to one another and are located near the N72, the main Mallow to Clarney Road. So we would ask if anyone observed any activity on the date, which was last Saturday evening, you know, into Saturday night, to contact the Gardaí of Kentork, Borby, or Mill Street. Is, is it possible they might be linked? Um, the possibility they're all linked, um, we, we can't confirm, but obviously yeah. the fact that the area is the same and uh, the time is the same, that is something that um, yeah. would be taken into account by um, the Gardaí. Okay. Um, so I just, there's one other burglary actually in Mallow that I might highlight, Patricia. Um, so my colleagues in Mallow are investigating a burglary that occurred in Bear Forest area. Um, and this took place last Saturday, the 16th. And again, the times of this incident are similar to the previous burglaries. Um, and it's reported that a burglary took place between 4.30pm and 10pm when a window of a house was broken to gain entry to a private house. So the Guardian Mallow are appealing for information in relation to this incident. So if anyone was in the, in the Bear Forest area of Mallow last Saturday evening 
and would have any information or notes any person or car or anything suspicious or unusual, um, the Guardian Mallow would appreciate a call. Okay, from um, burglaries then we're going to uh, stolen cars. These are kind of east, the East Cork direction. That's correct. Um, I suppose if we want to highlight many, uh, you know, an issue in relation to car theft, which has been covered in the media and other platforms, um, such as JPC meetings in the past year or so, that certain makes and models of the imported cars in the Asian market are being stolen because they're not fitted with immobilizers. And so Middleton Garda District has seen four such um, cars stolen just since the last Garda fight program two weeks ago. Uh, we had three in Cove and one in Middleton. Um, so we would advise anyone you know, who has a Japanese import car to be aware if there is an immobilizer or not fitted to the car. So it's basically an immobilizer is an anti-theft device that stops your car you know, from, being, from starting if, someone, if something other than the key is used. And immobilizer, that they would be standard in most new cars. But they're not um, in Japanese cars because obviously they, cars. Don't, they don't have theft of cars in Japan, I'm assuming, is one of the reasons they don't need these immobilizers. Possibly so, and therefore these cars are imported uh, into our market. They don't have the immobilizers fitted. Okay. So, uh, thankfully, in, in, in these cases, the cars have been recovered and, and the suspects have been identified. So the Guardian and Middleton are making progress with their investigation. But obviously our appeal is that we would stop it from happening to any other um, person, their car would be stolen. And so if people um, have cars that do not have immobilizers, they could consider installing one if that option is available to them. But we would advise anyone who wants a car without an immobilizer to fit a steering wheel lock, which is simply a lock that secures their steering wheel, and to always give thought to where you're parking your car. You know, um, and maybe owners of valuable cars could consider installing a car tracker as well. Mm. And those steering wheel locks back in the day, I suppose, before mobilizers uh, were introduced in all cars, we all use those steering wheel locks there and they, they do work. Absolutely. And what I'm highlighting there is basically the old style um, steering wheel lock, which would have been used in the past, yeah. but which w- wouldn't be used, I suppose, since immobilizers became standard in cars. I, t- I take it you can get them in any car accessory shop. Are they Absol- they, yeah. Absolutely. And Unfortunately, because of this trend, and this has been highlighted, you know, maybe in the last, in the recent past, where the market now for steering wheel locks is on the rise again because yeah. of these incidents. Yeah, I remember talking with um, a young woman in the city whose car she had one of these Japanese imports and, and it was stolen. Now, she did have one of the trackers in the car, so she was able to track where the car, somebody had gone off on a joyride, really, uh, uh, with it. But she was unaware that she needed, you know, a simple and cheap enough device as a steering wheel lock could have could have saved her all the trauma that she uh, went through. So uh, it's a good Christmas present if you're looking for somebody uh, that you know who has a Japanese import. OK, uh, internet provider scams were never, will never ever getting away from the, the scams, Morgan? No, um, I suppose the more we highlight it, um, there's always um, a scam nearly every week that either reappears or something new. Um, but just the guards in Clonakilty are investigating one that happened again since our last show, um, where a householder received a call from an internet provider, and I suppose, which can be common at some time, the internet coverage in certain areas can, you know, be giving issues, and this was the case in, in this uh, area. So when the caller received the householder received the call. They thought it was genuine. Um, the person who rang him was offering a refund, asked the householder to log on to a device to download an app. Um, and then the caller, the person who made the call, was able to, to um, get gain remote access to the, um, the computer and subsequently access their, the bank account 
of the injured party and a theft took place. Um, so I suppose we're just again to highlight this to people that um, the crowd take over. If you you know to be very wary of cold calls, never download an app to give a, a caller to your house um, remote access, access to your devices because when they have access, then they have control. And unfortunately, then um, your apps, including banking apps, can be accessed and you know can lead to thefts. Um, and uh, I suppose, look, while we're, we are hiding it all the time, it's just so important that people keep their guard up in relation to it and, again, to slow down and think and especially be wary of the people who are, if you didn't initiate the call and you're receiving a cold call, um, be suspicious. Be, be thinking be, of your yeah, actions. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I know all of us here at the radio station were inundated, particularly this week, with text messages from purporting to be from courier companies, purporting to be from Unpost. And of course, the criminals know a lot of people will be waiting on deliveries. So that's how they try and dupe you into clicking on these links. Absolutely, because they're playing up a topical at the moment. And that's what most people are expecting deliveries and. Look, and it's reputable companies, their names are using, yeah, you yeah. know, and so you, you think you're expecting a delivery, they're contacting you, you're on post or a delivery company, and yeah, and the problem is if you click on the link. Um, so again, I suppose we're asking people just, you know, to think before they act and to take a step back and slow everything down, because most companies will not look for you to download, to click on a link or to pay a small fee that they're saying is owing. Um, and these are common traits that are used. And again, it's just we make people as aware as we can of these issues. Okay. And as we uh, wrap up, you, you've, you, want, you want to finish up with a Christmas message for this year? Uh, absolutely. I suppose Patricia, um, just to thank all the people that we've interacted with uh, throughout Cork, I suppose, um, throughout the year. I suppose especially the volunteers in community groups, uh, people working with the elderly, people who are in community groups, etc. that you know, we're constantly dealing with and have a great rapport and great relationship with. Um, and also thank all your listeners and yourself, JP and Bernie there and all of 103 who are um, so good to get our messages out to people, um, you know, to help us spread the message about safety and crime prevention. So we really appreciate the help we've got throughout the year and just to wish everyone a very happy and safe Christmas. Well, listen, many happy returns and thank you and the rest of the team for all your contributions throughout the year. And we look forward to chatting to you again in uh, 2024. Thanks for that, Morgan. Thanks for joining us. That is Sergeant Morgan O'Sullivan based in Bandit. Well, we were talking about Japanese imports. A texture sent in. What I can only describe as this kind of a Christmas cracker uh, joke. St. Patricia, did you not ever hear about the famous Japanese car thief? It was uh, Tommy Tukamoto. Merry Christmas and many happy returns. Head questions, you can get those in. Bernie's taking calls 0818103103. If some of the animals in your house are a little bit upset at the moment and you've got a question for Jane, you can text her WhatsApp to 0862103103. And obviously, it's it been the last one of the year we will talk about just trying to keep all of our pets safe uh, at Christmas uh, this year because... Um, Every year there's accidents uh, involving pets, particularly when it comes to the eating of chocolates. Keep them well, well away from dogs. But if you have a question, get them in either to Bernie or you can text her WhatsApp straight to me here in the studio. And thank you to Jennifer from West Cork. When I mentioned our family members crossing the Irish Sea this afternoon with these high winds and the status yellow wind uh, alert. Jennifer said she just drove the coast road Kinsale to Clan. She said there's no wind. So she said there shouldn't be any problem with the ferry crossing. They're coming into Ross Lair though. So I don't know. I mean, it's still on target to uh, sail. Uh, just uh, hope that they all have good sea legs as they come across 
the Irish Sea. But thank you, Jennifer, for uh, for messaging us uh, with that. Now, somebody was asking about why the light isn't lit on the Christmas crib outside the church in Mallow. I was querying, do they need to go to Specsavers? It was Mary. Somebody says, Patricia, you can let Mary and other listeners know that the crib is not lit until it's blessed at Mass on Christmas Eve. And somebody else says, you've got to wait for Jesus to be born before that crib is uh, lit. So the Christmas Eve Mass, which is at one time the tradition probably would have been Midnight Mass, which is, I don't know if there's any Midnight Masses going on anymore. I even saw the Midnight Mass on TV. Somebody was telling me it's on at 10 o'clock, so they don't even have a Midnight Mass that they can broadcast live on the TV. So I don't know any Midnight Masses going on in any of your area. I know a lot of them stopped many years ago because of antisocial behaviour. There was kind of the tradition that people fell out of the pub and fell into uh, Midnight Mass and there was a bit of issue with people being the worst of the wear for drink. But then also I assume because of the problem we have with not enough priests and elderly priests there's probably an issue with trying to get the priests to do as many masses as they can that maybe they're not even all available but let us know if there's midnight mass going on in your area please 0818 103 103 on doctors and nurses and other health professionals hi this is from Margaret hi Patricia I actually agree with Pat one of your listeners who has suggested that all our medical graduates once they graduate from college they're getting their education in this country which is funded by the Irish state, they should give back at least two years to the health service. So they would get paid. We're not nobody is saying that they wouldn't get paid, but they should commit to working in public holidays, public hospitals for two years following graduation. And then, if they want to go abroad, if then if they want to go overseas and to, and to see the world, uh, let them off. Um, that's from Margaret. Thank you, Margaret. Wishing everybody here at C103 a happy Christmas and indeed many happy returns. And can I just say, I know there was a couple of calls in earlier, uh, wishing us all a happy Christmas and. We can't get around to all of them, but thank you. And also thank you to people who've taken time to send absolutely beautiful Christmas cards. So we really do uh, appreciate them. Again, we'd be here all day if we were to call out all of them. But thank you. Uh, it's really, really kind when people think of us here at the uh, radio station. 0818103103. And on the lack of uh, taxi drivers... Now, this is something we've highlighted on the programme before. Somebody says, hi, Patricia, the reason that there are no new taxi drivers coming into the system to become taxi drivers is to do with the exams that you must sit in order to get your taxi licence. You need to know nearly every street in Cork City and County. You need to know where the guard stations are, where various pubs and restaurants uh, are, what is a pedestrianised street and what uh, isn't. I know a girl that tried to do that exam nine times before finally passing it. And by the way, she's a very, very bright girl. I can't understand when we have non-nationals in the city as taxi drivers. How did they pass uh, the uh, exam? If we eased up on the exam, there would be plenty more people to drive. We spoke about this a few weeks ago when we had a gentleman who was about to retire and he had a family member who wants to kind of take over his taxi run. Uh, but the guy who was trying to do it in a similar situation to that girl had done the test and it was five times at that stage and it failed it every time. And was being asked some of the most ridiculous questions as to, you know, on what's 
street would you find such and such a place and where was a library in such and such a town and I was making the point whatever about when those taxi licences and the exam that goes with taxi licences was first introduced we didn't have sat nav and we didn't have Google Maps it's just the easiest thing now for anyone to get into a car be it you're driving yourself or you get into the back seat of a taxi and you say where do you want to go and they'll punch it straight into their uh, sat nav and they'll take you right to the door so I can't understand why they're still doing exams where they're asking people to identify particular streets whatever but the rules of the road I accept that you need to know all of those and you need to be a very safe driver but actually knowing where places are I can't uh, fully understand we might look into that in more detail uh, in the new year because I imagine in the new year we're going to have people contacting us saying that they're they got caught out because they couldn't get a taxi home. I mean, James Casey, when he was talking from Casey's Bar and Restaurant in Clon, I mean, talking about a woman who was in celebrating her 40th birthday and they were out early so that she was going home at nine o'clock and they had a problem trying to get a taxi and nine o'clock isn't very late, whatever about after the pubs uh, close. And I know we here at C103, we're having our Christmas party on uh, Friday night, that's tomorrow night. And that was one of the things when, you know, people were deciding whether they're going or not going. And I straight away said, unless I can guarantee that I can get a taxi back as we're having it in the uh, city. Now, luckily, we have managed to secure a taxi ride home, but it's actually stopping people uh, going out. And it's one of the reasons why we have pubs and restaurants, some of them closing down. It's to do with footfall inside in the pubs and restaurants and some of the footfall. And the reason for the lack of footfall is to do with people can't get home uh, safely because they can't be guaranteed a, a taxi home and that's where Uber bring Uber into this country it would solve a lot of the problems 0818 103 103 when I spoke about the lighting of the light on the Christmas crib in Mallow and somebody's pointing out it get, doesn't get lit, lit until after the Mass when it gets blessed at Christmas Eve and says Patricia I would never light my Christmas candle until uh, Christmas Eve that is the actual time that you light your Christmas uh, candle and actually Christmas candles is something no doubt will come up in my chat tomorrow with Alice Taylor we always have it's usually Christmas Eve the last show of the year but uh, I won't be on Christmas Eve so we'll be doing it tomorrow instead and we always have our lovely annual chat with um, Alice where she reflects and remembers on times past and looks back on the year that was and we'll be talking with uh, Alice tomorrow on the programme and the Christmas candle is very very much part of her tradition and I'm open to correction but I'm sure she doesn't light it until Christmas Christmas Eve uh, either. 0818103103. Now there's new rules and regulations coming in under the Road Traffic Bill and the Road Traffic Act that we all need to familiarise ourselves with. Even though I said, oh, I didn't know if I, li- if I liked this when I heard Connor Faulkner. You know, Connor, we've spoken many times when he used to front up the AA. He's now the head of the Royal Irish Automobile uh, Club. He's saying that the new road rules could actually lead to self-evidently stupid speed limits. And you're thinking, oh, if Connor is thinking that, what is going on? It's the road traffic bill. And the new road traffic bill is going to allow individual local authorities to reduce speed uh, limits and they can set their own speed limits. But the problem is it could lead to neighbouring areas then having different rules and regulations. Connor was saying that the reduction of the speed limits 
is theoretically very nice and it'll look great on paper but he said it'll be difficult to put into practice. He says it can be a bad thing as well as a good thing because they're supposed to be set locally by the local authorities rather than one nationwide speed limit. Councillors across the country are now concerned that speed limits could change very suddenly during a journey as you move from one council district into another council uh, district and you suddenly could unknowingly fall foul of the law and end up with penalty points on your licence. Conor Faulkner says when the road doesn't change, the weather doesn't change, the layout doesn't change, but you happen to cross an individual county boundary and suddenly the speed limit changes. Suddenly, he says, you're guilty of an offence. He said, there are things we need to do to fix speed limits. But he said, I certainly don't see that as a strategic blow to improve the road safety situation that this is going to work. Now, measures contained in this road traffic bill are expected to include, we spoke about this or I mentioned this yesterday, mandatory drug testing at the scene of a crash. I think that is a great idea. They're also looking at penalty point reform. But one of the main points is they're looking at reducing the speed limits on Irish roads. And that's got a lot to do with the fact that we've had a shocking increase in the number of road deaths uh, this uh, year. Now, Conor Faulkner says overall the road traffic bill is just tweaking knobs. He said it's tweaking knobs rather than aiming for an overhaul of road safety. And in relation to the concerns over the new uh, rules, the Irish Daily Mail today are quoting various councillors from around the country, like one independent uh, councillor who is uh, Neil Niall O'Callaghan. He's based down in Kerry. He says as councillors they haven't been told anything about it but he says if there are anomalies like that he said you'd like to ensure that there will be communication between the councils it would be the most sensible approach. He said it can happen that people could be caught speeding and didn't even know that the limit had suddenly changed just because they crossed the county bound and he said if there's a bit of joined up thinking between neighbouring councils and he said surely these uh, anomalies um, will be able to be ironed out and actually they spoke also with one of our own uh, independent councillors Martin Coughlin Martin of course who is from McCroom and of course McCroom is very close to the Kerry border he says obviously they will need this will need to come up at a council level and all the councils then he said should be singing from the same hymn sheet we should be liaising he said with our neighbours across the county bound. There should be a coordination and a cooperation because he said it'll be pure stupid otherwise and he said literally drivers won't know where they are and for a county like us here in Cork because we border so many other councils it's going to be in Cork County Council are really going to have to work with a lot of other counties county councils in order to make sure that if somebody goes across the county bounds that's, and the speed limit is, has changed that you know as, as was Martin says we ought to be singing off the same hymn sheet come to a decision as to what the speed limit is going to be on that particular road and the independent Kerry TD Michael Healy Ray uh, he says reducing speed limits um, 
was not welcome because he reckons if you start reducing a missing with the speed limit, all it will do is lead to driver frustration. He said it's all been done without even properly acknowledging what really is going wrong. And he says what's going wrong? It is enforcement. He said around 10 years ago, we statistically had the safest roads on the planet on the planet bar none. We had safer roads than Sweden who are known for having safe roads. We were better than the UK. He said, what were we doing right 10 odd years ago that we're not doing right now? And he said it wasn't doubling of penalty points uh, over a bank holiday weekend. It wasn't anything to do with tinkering with the speed limits or reducing the speed limits. He said, it's very simple. It was Gardaí. We had Gardaí out on the beach. We had regular road checkpoints. He says, we have got to fix that problem or at least acknowledge that there is a problem rather than just yet again coming up with new ideas and new laws that he reckons are simply not going to uh, work. And when I mentioned yesterday when I was talking about the number of uh, road uh, deaths, I was talking about up to yesterday there'd been 180 road deaths. Well, there's another one to add to that. There was a young teenager who became the 181st casualty on our roads for uh, 2023 it was a crash that happened in County Sligo. It was on the uh, Tupper Curry Road. It was about 20 to 12 yesterday morning. Uh, a male teenager who was driving in the car uh, died at the uh, scene. It involved his car and a van. Shocking. Shocking. What an awful Christmas that family are now. Instead of sitting down celebrating and, and having all the family around the Christmas table with their teenage son they instead will be making arrangements uh, to uh, bury him. So your thoughts on that on the reducing of the speed limits. I do think Conor Faulkner is right. There has to be joint up, up thinking but as I say for Cork County Council it's going to put them under a lot of pressure because we border so many other counties they're going to have a lot of work to do to make sure that all of the counties are going to have the same or similar speed limits and is Michael Healy Ray right? Is it more Gardaí out on the beat? Would that force people and more Gardaí out doing uh, speed checks will that get people to slow down and I know we'll have some of our, our listeners say as well when it comes to road safety it can be the condition of our roads some of our roads are in such a bad condition that they actually can and do cause uh, car accidents. 0818 103 103. Your thoughts are welcome. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council reminding you to support local when choosing gifts this Christmas. Now, there's a couple of uh, local lotteries on today. Nazareth House, for example, their lot will draw three o'clock this afternoon. €10,000 is the jackpot. And Kildallery, their lot will draw is also on today at four. They have a jackpot of €11,500. The annual charity Christmas Lights display is up and running at the home of Michael and Chrissy O'Mahony of Kilbarry West in Dunmanway. The lights will be on every night until the 7th of January from 5pm in the evening until 11 at night. There's also a tree of remembrance in the garden this year and everyone is invited to place names of loved ones. Uh, in the donation box at the entrance to the house and then Chrissy and Michael will place a ribbon on the tree for every name that's placed into the box. Mass will be offered in remembrance and thanksgiving. All proceeds from the remembrance tree and the lights get divided between West Cork Cancer Connect 
uh, Coaction Dunmanway and the Mercy Hospital Cancer Foundation. Your support, as always, is greatly uh, appreciated. And well done to Michael and Chrissy O'Mahony for the great work they put into that display and organising that and raising charity for raising money for three great uh, charities. You're invited to enjoy Woody at the OK Corral. It's running in the Palace Theatre in Formoy over uh, two weekends starting on Friday the 5th of January. Tickets are available from GR8 Events R. You can get them directly from the Palace Theatre. And the eagerly awaited Ross Moore Variety Show is back in January of next year. It's a huge fundraiser for Palliative Care, Cancer Connect, Kilmean Community Development Association and Kilmean GAA. Now the show will run from Thursday the 11th of January uh, to Friday the 12th and Saturday the 13th and also again on Thursday the 18th and Friday the 19th. Tickets available from gr8events.ie. You simply scroll to Ross Moore Variety Show. Inquiries to 086 07 And uh, Carol in Union Hall has just been on to say her sister is on the ferry from Fishguard to Ross Lair. It was due to dock at 5am this morning. They're still out at sea as they can't dock. That's my fear about my family this afternoon. I think my gang are, are Pembrokeshire, but they're into Ross Lair. And my fear is if there's very rough seas, they'll be just out at sea, not able to uh, dock. Oh, Carol, I hope they're able to dock soon. There's nothing worse coming on an overnight sailing and you're still stuck out at sea. What is it, half twelve are due to dock at five this morning. They'll be exhausted by the time they get they get off. I hope she gets home uh, safe and sound and soon to you uh, Carol. Uh, Jane is in Court McSherry says, there's Midnight Mass Patricia in Court McSherry on uh, Christmas Eve and that's Court McSherry Church is absolutely beautiful. So anybody looking for Midnight Mass if you're around Court McSherry pop along there. Thank you for uh, that. Uh, we're talking about the lowering of the speed uh, limits. This is under new rules of the road under the road traffic bill but they're going to leave it up to individual councils to decide what the speed limit should be in each and every uh, county. Uh, Patricia, I heard Deputy Michael Healy Ray speaking on the news about roads and about these new traffic rules. I totally agree as rural roads, the hedges and the surfaces plus lack of signage or signage that's covered in dirt and you can't actually see it. Road markings sometimes can be non-existent. They all need to be looked at. It is not just speed. That's from uh, Heidi. Thank you for that. But somebody else says, what's the problem? Watch out for the speed limit signs and then you won't need to worry about getting penalty points. But I think if you're driving along, sometimes you don't even know that you've gone from one county into the other. I think that's what the fear factor is with some of the councillors and that's what the fear factor is for uh, Connor Faulkner, that you could be driving along on a road, grand stretch of road that is 100 kilometres and suddenly the next county decide to set it at 80, you might just not see the road sign. Or as Heidi says, you could be in an area where the road sign isn't very clear because of hedgerows or because the sign hasn't been cleaned lately. There can be a variety of uh, reasons. 0818 103 103. And when we did a shout out for Ubers and why we don't have Ubers in this country, because it certainly would help with the lack of taxis that we have at the moment. Somebody, no name on this. Somebody says, money and greed. That's why we don't have Ubers. Same story in this country for everything. 
everything goes down and goes back to money and greed. 0818 uh, Don't forget to get, if you've got a pet question for Jane Pickett, our resident vet, you can get it in to Bernie or you can text or WhatsApp me to 086 uh, to 103103. And hi to Rose, it's Tharish Jock, who has uh, been on. Uh, just um, wanting to wish everybody here at uh, Happy Christmas. Need Happy Christmas to every Tharish Jock. Um, but uh, Rose says, uh, if you are wondering what to do with your unwanted gifts, please remember Tar Stock uh, in Domanway. And we gave that call out yesterday. If you do end up with unwanted gifts, and sometimes we do end up with something that we might already have or something we know we're not going to use, please pass them on to uh, charity shops because they can make money out of it. And then that gift can become a gift for somebody uh, else. And uh, there was a text in earlier, and I'm sorry I didn't get around to it. This is to do with vaping and the new vaping laws and somebody was making the point that they've been talking about this for so long uh, delighted to see it's finally uh, coming in and this is the ban on the sale of vaping products to anybody under the age of 18 it officially comes into effect from tomorrow now I do know a lot of vaping shops will have signs up clearly saying you know that they won't sell to people under the age of 18. But that was just a code of practice that they took on themselves. But now it's been put into uh, law from tomorrow. It will now be an offence to sell a nicotine inhaling product, anything like your e-cigarettes, commonly referred to as vapes. If you sell them to anybody under the age of 18, you are breaking the law. The offence from tomorrow carries a penalty of up to €4,000 or even up to six months in jail. Um, The measures are contained in the Public Tobacco Products and Nicotine Inhaling Products Bill. Now, there's other measures uh, in it, such as new rules around advertising, a licensing system. They're also looking at taxation of vaping liquids and vending uh, machines. They're all due to commence next year. And again, people knew that that was going to happen. The government make a lot of money out of the tax on uh, cigarettes. There's no tax on vaping products at the moment. That is all going to uh, change. There are plans to completely ban advertising of vaping products anywhere near uh, schools, ban them on public transport. Obviously, it's all in an attempt to try to limit the exposure to of the commercial messaging around these products, but to try and limit them, especially to young uh, people. The Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, said he is committed to bringing the ban on, he was always committed to bringing the ban on the sale of vaping products to under-18s in before Christmas and he's managed now to just get it in before Christmas and the commencing order has been signed off this uh, week. He says next year he'll commence the remaining measures in the Act, as I mentioned, the things around advertising and the vending uh, machines. And they're also going to make an examine the results of a public consultation on further regulation around e-cigarettes and other vaping products. The junior minister at the Department of Health, that's Hildegard Nocton. She said the commencement of the law is a good beginning and she's very much looking forward to the results of this public consultation on the options for the further regulation of any kind of nicotine inhaling products. And, you know, they're particularly going to look at things like uh, flavouring and the packaging. That public consultation, by the way, if you want to have your say, uh, is up and running now. It closes on the 5th of January and views are sought on the display of products in shops, what kind of flavours can be sold, 
packaging, what kind of taxation should they put on vaping uh, products and a lot of other measures, anything that will decrease the appeal of vapes and e-cigarettes to young uh, people and the hope then is that it will just, you know, stop them uh, from taking up smoking. The new age restriction on the sale of vaping products here follows similar bans and plans to ban the products in a number of other European countries. I mean, they're, they're looking at total bans in France, in Germany and in the UK and Australia, who are always very much ahead of the field when it comes. They're so anti-smoking in Australia. They've already introduced a total ban on the importation of any of the disposable e-cigarettes and that's coming in from the 1st of January this year and that's, they're saying, is an effort to stamp out what they're seeing, a spike of vaping among young people and I think we have, we've already started to see a spike in vaping uh, products. I pass a secondary school on the way to work and from uh, work every, uh, every day and so when I go to collect Marsha then in the afternoon I'm passing another two secondary schools and I can't get over. I would say in the, certainly in the last year yeah, I would say the last year, during this year, the number of young people coming out the school gates and uh, in their school uniforms uh, vaping, it definitely, definitely has uh, increased. So I've, I've seen, uh, we've certainly seen a spike of, of people vaping in this country. And the fear is that a number of young people are taking up vaping who never smoked before. You know, a lot of people, and I have to say hands up, that's how I gave up cigarettes was by using an e-cigarette and, and completely got off cigarettes and I haven't touched a cigarette in a number of years because of thanks to uh, e-cigarettes but the danger is if young people take up vaping the danger is that they may then go on to smoking which would you know completely defeat uh, the purpose so that's one of the reasons that they're trying to get really really strong on the ban on vaping on anybody under the age of um, 18 uh, Marie and Mallow says vaping should be banned on public transport in all indoor settings. It technically is, but I think people just continue to uh, vape. But most places you will see uh, signs on public transport. Definitely, it's it's banned. It's just it's it's not enforced. I, I, again, we're back a little bit to uh, enforcement. Oh eight one eight one oh three one oh three. Bernie, taking your calls. We are going to turn our attention to pets next. So if you've got a question for Jane Pickett. Get Get it into us 0862103103. You can text or WhatsApp. And a couple of people are asking my time when I mentioned Alice Taylor will be joining us for as she joins us every year. And how many years we've been doing this tradition, the last show before Christmas. What time is she be joining us tomorrow? She's on. We have asked her to join us in the first hour of the programme. So about 20 past, 25 past 10 or thereabouts. It's in the first hour anyway. Uh, the wonderful Alice Taylor will join us for our annual Christmas uh, chat. And for our last uh, pet corner of the year, we're going to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. Part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group where Jane Pickett uh, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. Are you all ready and festived up and all of your presents bought? Oh, get in there. The clinic is nice and festive. Everybody's in their Christmas jumpers and I've noticed a, a, a big upsurge in a lot of like little reindeer headdresses with bells on them. So uh, it's very festive here. So good. I can't complain. Good, good. Okay. Now, um, I, I want to talk to you as we do on this on this particular uh, slot every year before Christmas about the do's and don'ts uh, around Christmas. And, and already actually there's a couple of questions on a festive theme uh, in. Uh, firstly, the one on, and we give this message out every year, but unfortunately, it can fall on deaf ears for some people. And this is the message about chocolates and dogs and that you shouldn't be giving human chocolate to dogs. Absolutely. 
dogs and cats and human chocolate, they really don't mix. Even in very small amounts, it's just not worth it. Um, so chocolate is poisonous to dogs and cats because of a chemical in it called theobromine. And theobromine can cause really, really severe signs in dogs and cats, in some cases fatal. So it's really, really not worth it. You might think that you're doing a lovely thing giving them a bit of chocolate at Christmas, but you're very much just asking for trouble. So the signs of chocolate toxicity could sometimes occur a number of hours to a day after they eat it. Um, so, you know, it's not the thing that they'll eat it straight away unless they've eaten a huge amount and then show up with signs. They can become extremely thirsty. They can have a lot of panting signs, almost look like they're overheating. In severe cases, they can have seizures. Um, sometimes they can pass away from their disease. So it is really, really, really serious. So please just be very careful with your dogs and cats if they can't have access to chocolate. Now, people always say, oh, isn't it just the dark chocolate that causes the problem? It's not. So dark chocolate is definitely one of the worst of the three. So there's a bit more cocoa content in it, so a bit more of the theobromine. But another thing that I often see is, you know those, those cakes that you might get from the supermarket, like let's say a chocolate log, which has chocolate-flavoured sponge? Yeah. That is actually one of the worst of all of them wow. because the cocoa powder that goes into that, even though you might not think it's the most chocolatey thing in the world, that actually has the highest theobromine content of everything, even of dark chocolate. So be really careful with anything chocolate-flavoured as well. And if you do have an accident, and look, I'll put my hands up and say, one of my own dogs years ago got into a load of chocolate. It can happen to the best of us. Accidents happen at this time of year. Don't be ashamed. Don't be worried. There'll be no judgment. Just ring your vest ASAP. Time is of the essence. If you can take note of what chocolate they've eaten, roughly how much chocolate they've eaten, and if you can even have a look on the back of the pack and see what percentage of, of cocoa is in it, that's all really helpful stuff to tell your vet. So your vet will probably ask you, well, what have they eaten? How much have they eaten? How long ago? And they'll be able to tell you whether it's a concern or not. If it is a concern, it's, it's you know, time is of the essence to get into your vet. So in the first few hours is the best time to do it ASAP if you can. Um, they'll probably do some simple things. Give your dog an injection to make them vomit up. So kind of trying to decontaminate get it out of his system. Yeah, get it out exactly. Yeah. Get it out of the system and then use some drugs to try and minimise the absorption. But um, if we have a pet presenting with signs, unfortunately, of chocolate toxicity, that's far far more serious. And they and unfortunately, a lot of the time, will have to be hospitalised to try and help them through. So it is wow. very serious. And Mar- Margaret wants to know: Is it true that plum pudding it can also be poisonous for dogs? It can be. So I assume kind of plum pudding, we'd be talking, let's say, the, the Christmas pudding. Yeah. So any of the seasonal things like mince pies, for example, plum pudding, um, Christmas cake, anything that has raisins, sultanas in it is absolutely lethal for dogs and cats. And we wouldn't even think it. So a lot of us aren't aware that the raisins are poisonous for dogs and cats, but they are. And I think the important thing to note here is, whereas with chocolate, how toxic it is kind of depends on how much cocoa they get, how much they've eaten relative to their size. With the raisin content of pudding and Christmas cake and mince pies, there's no known toxic dose. It's not a very well understood poison. So for some dogs, you might have a Labrador that eats a mince pie and once we manage to make them vomit back up again ASAP, they'll, they'll do okay. But you might have uh, another Labrador next to them that's eaten one measly raisin and they'll go into full-blown kidney failure. So there is no way to know with exactly how much they've had and how serious it is. So we would always take the tactic. If they've eaten any raisin at all, get them in, get their stomach decontaminated, 
help them out potentially with some fluids because it can have very, okay. very serious effects. On okay, and, and Dennis has a, a Labrador pop who, who is the love of their lives, says Dennis, except for the second time this week he's chewed the Christmas tree lights on both occasions. They were unplugged. Any advice to stop his fascination with the Christmas tree? Oh, yeah, this is another one this time of year. So chewing at Christmas ornaments and Christmas lights is a big source of foreign bodies. So things that shouldn't get eaten, getting eaten and getting stuck inside in the stomach or in the intestines. In a lot of cases, if they eat a, a bauble or a fragment of a bauble or some bits of light wire, they will cause a blockage in the intestines and usually they'll need surgery to remove it. It's not straightforward and it can be very, very serious. I think my best advice is put everything up high. I share your pain here because one of my dogs is an absolute devil for trying to take things off the tree. So I have everything that's maybe a bit more fragile or a pointy or a light. I have them all from about waist height upwards so that they can't jump at them. So my tree looks a little bit funny. I was going to say you have a very well-balanced knot tree there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It does look a little funny, but I I can guarantee you it's a lot less less bothersome than uh, to deal with an unbalanced looking tree than to have to deal with your pet over Christmas. Absolutely. So um, just make sure they can't access them, either put them up high or, you know, if they're not attended in the room. If Look, if you uh, can keep a really close eye on your pet whilst they're in the room with the Christmas tree and you're with them at all times, then that's OK. You can keep an eye on them and make sure they're not going to eat anything. But I would really advise that no pet is left unattended with the Christmas tree um, because they can cause huge problems. And just as a last kind of word of warning, cats in particular with Christmas trees, I've seen some very nasty accidents. Cats love to try and climb Christmas trees. And we might think it's very funny and there's lots of memes going around on the internet with cats versus Christmas trees. I've seen really, really nasty injuries where they've, they've climbed halfway up and the tree's fallen over and they might have fractured bones and become very uncomfortable. So really try and discourage that behaviour if you see your cat going near the tree. And again, I probably wouldn't let a cat unattended. In a yeah, room supervised, supervised at, at yeah. all times. Uh, hi there, question for Jane, please. We have a two-year-old male is it a Patterdale Terrier? Mm-hmm. Patterdale? Yeah, uh, we've three children in the house. He's taken to nipping and growling at our 10-year-old boy. Strange thing is, the 10-year-old boy, it was his room he used to sleep in. Uh, he did, he hasn't hurt the dog at any time. They, they had a great bond. But the dog now has started growling the minute he sees my 10-year-old son. Is there anything we can do or else we'll have to get rid of him? And that's the dog, not the boy, says the texter. OK, <laughs> why, why, why would a two-year-old suddenly, a two-year-old terrier turn? That is a very unusual situation. But look, we all wish we could jump inside a dog's mind and understand exactly what's going on. Sometimes it can be territory-based. Let's say if he smells his smell and he always used to sleep in the room with him, maybe he's now taking that over as his little territory and he feels a bit threatened by him. Now, that would be really unusual because a lot of time pets have really close and loving relationships with the family that they're part of and generally accept that, you know, you know, their house is shared by many people and that's okay. So it's unusual that something has happened like this. I would really recommend safety first. We always need to make sure that we and the small people in the house are very safe. So I wouldn't leave that little dog unattended with, with the, the kid in question. I would really recommend contacting your vet for a behavioural assessment. Um, it may be something they're comfortable to do, but if not, they'll be able to refer you to an appropriate qualified veterinary behaviourist or dog trainer that can work with you. Intervening in these matters early is the best thing to do. So if this behaviour has just started, I wouldn't wait to see if it goes away. Get professional help ASAP 
so you can kind of try and repair whatever damage has happened with the, the bond between the dog and the, the person in question. And it might be something totally unintentional. And, it, you know, dogs, dogs are very sensitive creatures. It's very unusual what they'll take offense to sometimes and what they can become territorial over. So sometimes it takes a little bit of unwilling to figure figure out what it is but I think safety first make sure everybody's safe initially but speak to your vet about a veterinary behavioural referral so hopefully your pet can stay with your, your family longer okay. Well, especially when they've been there for two years that's a that's a tough yeah. one to find yourself in yeah. okay listen Jane a pleasure as always have a wonderful Christmas thank you for all your contribution throughout 2023 and we look forward to chatting in the new year it's perfect thank you so much Patricia and I hope you have a very very happy Christmas Okay, many happy returns. Thanks, Amelia. And that is uh, Jane Pickett, Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. And that's where I leave you for today. Tomorrow will be our last one before Christmas. As I say, the wonderful Alice Taylor uh, will be joining us. We'll be looking at the weather forecast over the Christmas in case you're planning on getting out and about. And we'll be talking Christmas movies with uh, Mark Malone. And very much the show is yours if you've got requests that you'd like to play. If you're listening to us overseas and you want to say hi to loved ones, we've got some gorgeous, gorgeous Christmas music uh, to play tomorrow. Look forward to, looking forward to that. Thanks to Bernie, producer Nick Witt for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. We've got great shows on your radio every weekend on C103. Give me more. On Saturdays, Farm Talk with John O'Connor is on from 7 a.m. Rory Burke. Brings you the C103 Sports Breakfast from 8 to 11. Then, from 11 to 2, Nick Richards is here with C103's Greatest Hits Saturday. And on Sunday nights, we've got The Love Zone with Rob Allen. The Love Zone with Rob Allen. From 8 to 11. Give me more. We've got great shows on your radio every weekend. Give me more. Only on C103. <laughs> Shutting a car door. Ouch! Chopping up veg. Ow! Even playing your favourite game. Oh, my ankle! Don't make your minor injury a major hassle. Whether it's a sprain, break or minor burn, Cork Injury Units in Mallow, Bantry and the Mercy Urgent Care Centre, Grana Braher, are open seven days a week. For opening hours and patients we treat, see hse.ie forward slash injury units. Make Christmas for everyone at Dunn Stores with a 16-pack of indulgent Ferrero Rocher, only €6. Mix and match three for €5 on a range of drinks, like two-litre bottles of Coke Zero, Pepsi Max and 7-Up Free. And share a large bag of Hunky Dories or Doritos, only €2 each. Plus, with a 10 or 50 grocery voucher, you save even more. Make Christmas for everyone at Dunn Stores. Terms and conditions apply. Voucher can be used on next grocery shop of €50 or more. Exceed all your expectations. Renault Megane E-Tech 100% electric with 220 horsepower up to 450 kilometers range and an electric bonus. Renault will match the €3,500 government grant when you buy a new Megane E-Tech 100% electric. So save €7,000 on your new electric Megane today. Visit your local dealer to find out more. T's and C's apply. See Renault.ie. 
as the season of bustle beckons. Let Mallow Credit Union see you through for loans big and small. We cover all. Apply online through the Mallow CU app or visit us in Mallow, Mill Street, Bottevant, Charleville or Drumcollar or see mallowcu.ie. Mallow Credit Union is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Loans are subject to approval. Warning, if you do not meet the repayments of your loan, your account will go into arrears. This may affect your credit rating, which may limit your ability to access credit in the future. TNCs apply. C103. With fabulous ideas and great savings, the winter sale is not to be missed. See in store at Turner's Cross Retail Park or at harrycorry.com. Harry Curry, see what's in store. On FM. Online, online, and on your phone. This is it's C103. Good afternoon. I'm Barry O'Mahony. I'm Katie O'Keefe. In the headlines, HSE is keeping Cork on Reddit or to after recent drug overdoses. Cork Penny Dinner is all set for the Christmas demand.